Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On uh, today's show, it's, we said it before <laughs> when we were talking before the show started recording, it's kind of the same theme of the episode. We're going to talk about uh, a struggle for Wisconsin basketball, another, you know, to, to put it lightly, a, a bad game and a loss for the Badgers, and then we'll talk about some football stuff, some fun discussions there, some inroads on recruiting. Um, we'll get into a wide receiver position review preview for the 2021 season. So kind of the same breakdown once again, uh, a struggle basketball game and some fun football talk, but I'll send you guys into the weekend right um, as we get into another weekend, and then we'll turn around on Monday for uh, another basketball contest. Hopefully Wisconsin can get in the win column against Northwestern, but the way they're playing right now, nothing feels guaranteed. So Matt, how are you this Friday morning? I'm doing good. It's it's nice to to have a, an early cathartic release through talking about Wisconsin basketball and getting it done right away in the morning compared to waiting until the afternoon like we sometimes do. Um, how are you doing, dude? Yeah, better not to sulk on it. If it was a win, you can wait on it a little bit longer, but uh, anytime Wisconsin loses a game, um, especially in unceremonious fashion, just a, another bad loss, uh, kind of the same same few things kind of rearing their ugly heads and, and leading to the loss. It's good to just get it done with. I'm sure listeners don't want to start there. You know, if we if we did it in the afternoon, start there 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, uh, happy hour by listening to uh, a podcast about Wisconsin basketball. So we'll get it out of the way, allow you guys to digest it and throw that game away, which has kind of been the theme of this last week or so with the Badgers losing 3 of 4. So we'll get right into this this Iowa contest. I mean, once again, it's it, it really comes down to you know, the last game we talked about it, and, and it's been the the theme of you know the, when Michael Potter, Nate Reavers, Greg Gard talking to the media this past week, the theme of that conversation was putting together a complete game. In you know, Michigan, it was a, a good first half, bad second half. Against uh, Iowa, it was pretty good first half and and second half just or excuse me, bad first half. Came back, made it made it happen a little bit in the second half, but. Never a complete 40 minutes to get the job done. I mean, both of these games were winnable games and just didn't do enough to get it done. So what do you make of, of that Iowa loss, and is it just kind of the same thing as rearing their ugly head against the Hawkeyes? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just offensively the Badgers are completely inept at this point. It's it's a real struggle fest out there. Wisconsin had opportunities. They They did some of the things that they've struggled this year. Grabbing offensive boards, they did remarkably well at that. They grabbed 17 offensive rebounds, something that we haven't seen from them this season. But then they turned it into four points. <laughs> you you look at, like, just their inability to score around the basket, their inability to make jump shots. They can't do anything on offense, and that's why you see them jacking up threes because they look at it and as their best opportunity. In fact, they actually shot better from, from behind the arc than they did overall, which is just silly season. They shot 34 three-pointers in this game, and they shot 
uh, just over 50% from the free throw line. They were so bad on the offensive end against statistically the worst defensive team in the Big Ten, one of the worst teams in the entire country on the defensive end. If you couldn't break out of your shooting slump against Iowa at home, you just aren't going to. And right now we're seeing that this Badger team is who we thought they are. They, they, we thought that, that, um, early in last season for large chunk of it, that they were a team that was, that struggled on the offensive end. They beat up on some lower competition later last year and we, we got excited. We thought this was great. This is a team that's going to be able to, to put together and, and push towards another Big Ten title. And it's just not the case right now. And they don't have the firepower on offense to, to have a, uh, a chance against a lot of the good teams in the Big Ten because right now they aren't one of the good teams in the Big Ten. No, I think they're definitely a team that you'd classify as, as middle of the pack. And, you know, they'll, they'll lose to the good teams. You know, you've seen it the last couple of weeks. You've, You've lost to Iowa, Illinois, Michigan. Those are three really good teams. You know, Iowa is probably closest to your level and, and, and still lost to them by 15 points on your home floor. So there, there's definitely tiers in the Big Ten right now. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Michigan, Ohio State leading the way. But Wisconsin's just not built to, to hang with a lot of those teams. They'll, they'll beat Nebraska's. They'll beat Northwestern's and, and hopefully some uh, other teams in there. You know, you've got Purdue coming up, who's probably on your level. That's probably... Um, by every definition, a must-win game when you look at it. But um, it's it's maybe it's expectations were were a little bit higher coming into the season than they should have been. Maybe this team, like you said, you know, they got excited about it last year. Maybe they weren't as good as they actually were. They just kind of got hot at the right time, and, and you never really got to see um, how it went out. But uh, it's it's going to be an interesting um, end of this this season. I'm I'm interested to see how this team goes and where they go from here because right now. It's just not looking pretty for the Badgers overall. Yeah, I mean, and the really the big thing is is just offensively, they're just their inability to get things going. Um, you know, their shooting woes continued against a, a team that you know gives up just an absurd seventy three point five points a game, worse than the Big Ten. But Wisconsin ended up missing forty nine shots in this game. Comparatively, Iowa took fifty one shots. That is crazy. Like, that is the most statistical anomaly in the world, and the Badgers lost by 15. And so it, it just tells you just how remarkably inefficient the Badgers have been on the offensive end. They were under um, under one in terms of, of points per possession. Like, they, they were just so, so bad on the offensive end, and it, and it just – it led to just the huge discrepancy and and the final score. Iowa was able to lean on really just two guys, Luca Garza, Joe Wieskamp, two of the better players in the Big Ten without a doubt. But at the same time, they those two just systematic, systematically took the, took apart the Badgers without having to really rely on any of the other guys. And Iowa has other players that can do some nice things, but Wisconsin was was did some some decent things on the defensive end in a lot of ways. They held Iowa under their season average. They were aggressive. I thought Aline Ford played good defensively. I was actually impressed at times by how well Micah Potter played on the defensive end. But if you can't buy a bucket, you aren't going to win a game. You just aren't going to win the game of basketball if you can't score. And, and that's that's what happened in this game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really all you can take from it is, is shooting woes once again. You mentioned it. If, if you're not knocking down shots at home against Iowa, which I think a lot of people coming into that game thought if there was a 
situation where Wisconsin is going to get right and, and win this game at home against a really poor defensive team, this might be the one. You know, the the Vegas oddmakers actually had Wisconsin as a you know one to one and a half point favorite at times, and I was looking at that line going, oh my god, they don't know, they don't know the same Wisconsin team that we're watching. But so it, it felt like a situation where Wisconsin could maybe get right. You know, just given that they were going to get some looks against a bad defensive team in Iowa and. Just they were not falling. The looks, some of the looks were good. Some of them were were four shots late in the shot clock once again. But you know, like you thought, you said time and time again, if this team isn't knocking down shots against Iowa, I don't know who they're going to knock down shots against. Because statistically, that team plays less defense than like five dudes playing rec pickup ball. Like it, they they shouldn't be a team that you're struggling to shoot against. And for Wisconsin, they did. So there's some big woes that are. Um, happening right now for Wisconsin shooting-wise. And if they don't get it cleaned up, you know, these last four or five games and into March, it's going to be a, a struggle for them. So as we talked about the, the shooting woes a little bit, was it just the problem offensively that the shots weren't falling? Were, I mean, like I said, some of the looks were clean, some of them were forced, but overall it was just not a pretty shooting night um, for the Badgers in, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, they had plenty of good looks. I mean, I I saw multiple missed layups by Aleem Ford. Mm-hmm. Like, he went 2 of 10 for the game, and he did some nice things on the defensive end, but layups, like the fundamental basics. I've never seen a team miss so many shots in the paint where it's just point blank. Demetrius Trice, 3 of 15. Tower Wall, 0 of 6. Like, this team struggled. Jonathan Davis, 1 of 9. They They – couldn't get a rhythm outside of Micah Potter and, and Brad Davison. Everybody else was just completely off the grid and, and missing everything. Their shooting chart, we've we've looked at just how um, poor of shot selection they've had this year. Um, if you look at any of the analytics, they take some of the worst shots in, across the country. They're, they're missing them. <laughs> like, go figure. You're missing these mid-range jumpers that you shouldn't be taking. You're missing these corner threes that you're not great at and you can't make a layup, this is this is the recipe. This is why this team is struggling. Um, Jonathan Davis, like we've talked about, is the only guy who can get to the rim, and he was even missing his easy ones. So if if this is going to be the case, Wisconsin's in trouble in, against the good teams, and we've seen it. You look at their losses this year, and they've beaten up on the teams that they're supposed to beat up on, and they've lost to the teams that they're supposed to lose to. And outside of a couple wins um, against Minnesota – and and taking down Michigan State when they were ranked at that point, Louisville, who was down some some players, they've lost to teams that have just been better than them outside of maybe Penn State. I think that loss and the Maryland loss were ones that they shouldn't have lost. But other than that, they're just losing to the good teams in the Big Ten, and it's and it's proving to be teams that have reliable scores that can go out and do it any given night. Luca Garza is. There's a reason he's a top, the top player in the country right now and the Wooden Ward um, finalist. He is, he is the difference in this game, a guy that you can turn to and say, hey, we need buckets, and he can drop you 30 in, 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 a, in a quick fashion, whereas Wisconsin tries to spread it out across a bunch of guys, and if, hey, you've got four guys who can't buy a bucket in a night, you're doomed. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great way to put it. They don't have that reliable score that they can go to, and – and that's been the problem for a couple of years now. You know, you had Ethan Happ who you could go to in the post a few years ago, but he wasn't that you know guard that guard player that could slash or, or get to the basket as easy. So you couldn't always play through him. So there, there's kind of a situation right now where Wisconsin doesn't have that go-to guy, and in college basketball especially, 
there's going to be minutes where you're not scoring. You're going to have runs where you need a bucket. And in Wisconsin, historically, you know, there's been guys like, you know, thinking way back to Jordan Taylor. Those teams weren't always that strong, but they had a guy that they could go to late in the shot clock. And right now, Wisconsin just doesn't have that reliable score. And they spread it out. And, and when the shots are falling and, and they spread it out, they're a tough team to defend and play against. But that really has to happen of late, and right now you're seeing what happens when a lot of guys go cold, and unfortunately for Wisconsin, it's it's resulting in some pretty bad losses overall. On the flip yeah, I side, mean, I was oh, just going to say, the one guy that, that is a consistent scorer for them is Micah Potter, and he hasn't played more than 20 minutes in, you know, I think it was like four of the last five games. So <laughs> we, we're looking at it. We saw him actually play, and look at that, 23-11. and 11, He actually played much improved defense than what we've seen from him in the past. I thought he actually held up his own against Garza when he was out there. And the only reason he was playing so much was because the Brad D- or, uh, Nate Reavers was in foul trouble for most of the game and was very ineffective. Yeah, and I think, I think over this week, you know, the, the two media pressers that, that Micah Potter has, you could tell he's getting kind of frustrated and, and hungry to, to get things right. And you can just kind of hear it in his voice and, and the messaging that he had with, with really being focused and, um, you know, playing a full 40 minutes and, and being mentally tough. So I'm not surprised that he had some, some big games because you can tell that, that he really wants it. I'm sure they all want it to turn around. It's just that they're going to need a guy like him to, to really be someone that they can play through. And, and we've seen last year, you know, he got hot late in the year and, and it was kind of that guy. So maybe if Wisconsin turns things around, it's going to have to be on the back of, of someone like him or, or Demetri Trice, guys that have played a lot of basketball and can really get it going when they get hot. So speaking of um, you know, strong shooting performances for, for Iowa. They shot 51% from the field, 63% from three. They've got a ton of shooters. They've got Luka Garza on the inside who can kick it out to them when they need to, and they can knock it down. Um, so, so Iowa's a tough team to defend in that way. What did you make of the defensive effort, though? Because, like you said in the beginning, it was really Joe Wieskamp and Luka Garza, but it felt like Iowa, on, on the flip side of that, was just seeming to make every shot, even if it wasn't, you know, other guys pouring in shot after shot. It just seemed like they were hitting everything, and, and really hitting timely buckets. Wisconsin would cut it to 5-6, Iowa would come down and hit a big three, and it just was never – they never let Wisconsin really get back into it in that game. I think that was a really frustrating and, and tough pill to swallow for the Badgers. Yeah, Wisconsin dug themselves a huge hole starting off that game where Iowa jumped on them early to take that 11-3 lead after taking an 11-0 run on the Badgers. And I think that made it really hard for this team to come back in a lot of ways. They cut it down to to, to three at one point, but then Joe Wieskamp just went unconscious and started hitting threes. Luca Garza stepped out behind the arc and, and hit, a, hit a big one as well. And, and really, it just avalanched from there. Wisconsin wasn't able to to keep up, and that's indicative of a good offensive team where you, where you can you know okay, hey Wisconsin took a nice run at the early part of the the second half, or I guess middle part of the second half was able to cut into things, but then from there um, after Iowa missed, I, I think they made like one out of eleven shots, and Wisconsin came out and down the stretch made two of thirteen, Iowa made eight of nine. There's your game. Wisconsin has struggled when it comes down to crunch time. I don't know if it's uh, the players that are out there late in the game or or what, but at the same time, it's it's telling that hey, the two best players on the court were both on Iowa's team, uh, and and really mm-hmm. that that's all you needed to know was Joe Wieskamp. He he only took nine shots the entire game, and he was five of six from three. 
he he also grabbed eight rebounds. Luca Garza, he he had made a four of six from three, and Iowa as a team shot 63% from three compared to Wisconsin's 38. Wisconsin shot 34 three pointers. Iowa was very efficient at 12 of 19. So you're looking at a, a you know a totally different team, a team that can play inside out and and isn't trying to force three pointers, and a Wisconsin team who is just overly reliant on it doesn't have an inside presence, can't do a lot of the things that Iowa can do on the offensive end, and the result is one one team missed 49 shots, the other one only needed 51 to, to take a team down by 15. Yeah, the, the disparities between the two are, are really telling of how that game went. I mean, you can try and look deeper into it, but really Wisconsin wasn't making shots. Iowa was making, you know, it was playing efficiently and making a lot of shots, and if Wisconsin's not you know, keeping pace with that, it's going to be hard for them to win, and, and they were never really. They, they gave a good second-half effort to, to cut it down to three and four, but, again, Iowa just seemed to make shots timely enough um, to keep them within a nice buffer and really poured it on late at the end to um, you know make it a 15-point loss for the Badgers. So another tough one, again, it's it needs to be a strong 40 minutes, and as they look into these last four games, I mean, this team is probably very frustrated. There's no doubt about that. I know I know fans watching it are frustrated. It's hard to watch. But four games left in the regular season. Where do the Badgers go from here? Because you've got Northwestern, Purdue. Those are two very very winnable games. We've also got Iowa, Illinois right now. Those te- those games, unless Wisconsin really comes out with their hair on fire, does not look like winnable games. So do you think the Badgers can get to two and two and, and get into the Big Ten tournament and see if they can turn things around, or, or what do you think needs to, to maybe change? to at least get to that point? Uh, sure. I think they could, could win, too. I, I think very easily they could win, too. I think the Northwestern and Purdue games are winnable games, but they're both on the road, and Wisconsin has not fared well on the road. Uh, the game against Illinois at home is their next best chance. Um, I, I, I don't know if they'll all of a sudden have an answer for Kofi Coburn, but at the same time, you look at it, and Northwestern's a game that they should win, and they need to win. It's probably the most... You need to win a game ever um, for Greg Gard. But uh, you look at that Iowa game at the end, if anybody's counting that as a win, you're, you're crazy. The Purdue game, though, is, is a chance. They're both kind of middle-of-the-road teams in the Big Ten, and Wisconsin kind of matches up with them where they could win. But it's just a matter of, at this point, if, if I had to bet money, I'm not betting that they win two games out of this stretch because it is tough. It is a really tough stretch. I think they should get the Northwestern game, but then um, I think the all of the other three are probably under 500 chances that they're going to win that game. And from that, I'm going to say they get one for sure, but then maybe two. Yeah, I know I agree with you completely. I think that Northwestern game is, is one that they should win, and, and hopefully they can write some things and, and win that handily. I mean, I mean, you think of the Nebraska game, the last game that this team won, even when they won that game, it was it was not a pretty win. So this team has not played really quality basketball in, in quite a long time. So it'd be nice for Wisconsin to come out and, and play really well, play a full 40 minutes. Maybe that strikes some confidence into them against a, a Northwestern team that is all sorts of bad. Um, and then maybe that builds some momentum as they get into those last three. But uh, I don't feel really good about any of the other three. I would say if they got to one and three, I don't think anyone – who's been watching this team throughout the year would be surprised. But hopefully they can get to 2-2. Maybe they can build some momentum and pull off an upset. But it's going to take some some big changes offensively and defensively to get to that point. So before we get away from basketball, Wisconsin basketball offered a four-star basketball player out of Menominee Falls, Seth Trimble, um, in the class of 2022. 
big in-state player. I know Wisconsin at times has struggled to keep those guys within the borders of the state. How big of a get would that be for Wisconsin and Greg Gard as they try to build uh, a program back up that, that's seemingly struggling right now? I, I mean, uh, a player like Trimble is exactly what they need in a lot of ways. They need a guy who can create his own shot, who can flash, can get to the basket, which is what he, he's best at. He's got more of a set shot from three, but he's really improved in that area. Um, excellent basketball IQ kid, super quick, which I think could help them out. Um, he, he's, he's a kid who's steadily improving, though, and especially from – from uh, shooting, which I think is huge for him. You you look at um, three-point-wise, he, he's shooting um, closer to 40% now from from three, which is big, and it was a big reason why Greg Gard went ahead and, and threw out the offer, I'm assuming, is that he saw the development by him. Uh, he, he's, an, he's an overall floor leader that could help them out in a lot of ways. He could also pair with a kid like Chucky Hepburn and, and end up playing the two if you need him to be. He's a really good defender. So I think you look at it. Wisconsin's in a good place when you compare him to compare uh, the Wisconsin offer to some of his other ones, Arizona State, Cal, Iowa State, Nebraska, TCU, USC. But it, it's still going to be one of those things where he's going to be a kid that's going to get a lot more attention as the season goes on because he's having a really good junior season. Um, there's a lot of other angles, such as uh, the fact that he played for the Phenom U Hero summer team. Um, Tower Heroes team, uh, which is just, of course, he does for Wisconsin's uh, faithful. But then his brother was J.P. Takoto, who ended up going to North Carolina, and the Badgers were all in on um, mm-hmm. in that 2012 class with Sam Decker. So there, there are ties. They, I like that they sent out the offer because they need guys who can attack and they can take people off the dribble, something they sorely need. Um, but this is going to be another one of those recruitments that's going to come down to what other offers he gets and what are available because, well, I think there is a, a, a pull to stay in inside the state. There's going to be other offers that are going to pop up as well for this kid down the line, and I'm just glad that the Badgers didn't wait until later to, to throw out this offer and instead went for it early in the process and gave themselves a fighting chance for him. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way that Wisconsin has done well. You know, you'd look at it from a football perspective. They do that really well. They get in with guys early. You know, Graham Mertz was a situation where I've always – I always worked the conversation back to Graham Mertz. But you got it, right? He, <laughs> he's, he's a guy that they got in with early and, and recruitment really picked up. It's going to be the same situation here. Um, Seth Trimble is a kid that uh, is really talented and, and does a lot of things well that Wisconsin, like you said, could really use. So right now, in terms of offers, there's some there's some good ones. You know, USD, Arizona State, Iowa State is historically over these last you know five six seasons been a team that's pretty good. Struggling this year, Nebraska and TCU are are not programs that historically have, have done very well on the hardwood that way. So Wisconsin's in a good position, but the uh, big players in college basketball are certainly going to be coming around at some point. Um, so hopefully they can get in there earlier. Um, win some things over and, and land a player like him because that's kind of what Wisconsin need is another in-state kid to to come in and, and really breathe life into this program. They've done well in recruiting. You know, you look at the uh, Jonathan Davises of the world. You've got Matthew Morris coming in. You, you've got players that you like moving forward. But if you want to really turn this program and get back to where you were uh, just a few years ago, you're going to need to land in-state talent like that. So that's going to be an interesting situation to watch uh, as it plays out over the next uh, year or more. Yeah, and basketball recruiting is a whole different animal than than football, but at the same time, this is a kid who is a Badger fan, 
watches Badger games. Like, and, and I know that this pops up for a lot of different players. I mean, how we've seen the Jalen Johnson saga playing out uh, with Duke and, and now entering the uh, NBA early and, and leaving his team. But it, overall, this is a kid that, that doesn't right now have the robust offer sheet that Wisconsin sometimes runs into with in-state recruiting. He's kind of a fringe four-star kid who's a top 120 guy. This is the type of battle that they need to be able to win at times, and I think this would help them out, especially at the guard position where they're kind of thin over the next mm-hmm. few seasons. They need to bring in more guards, especially with the status of Warren Bowman kind of up in the air. This is a kid that could really help them out in a lot of ways, especially given his versatility to play both the one and the two. All right, guys, I think that wraps up our basketball discussion. Um, stick with us through a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into some football talk. All right, time to talk some football. Yesterday, we got some very exciting news. UW um, Athletics and, and Barry Alvarez announced they will have fans to football games this fall. Not really any sort of number or anything like that. They're, I know they're working on policies on how to um, implement some things to, to make sure it's still safe with COVID or anything. But regardless of, of how many or what happens, it's, it's exciting news that Wisconsin is going to have fans back, you know, as guys that – um, are, are both season tickets and, and go to most of the games. It's really exciting. This past year was kind of a tough one just not being there. It just felt different. So how exciting is it that uh, you know next fall we're going to be able to sit in Camp Randall and enjoy uh, a Badger football game? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the hope. That's the that's the right now the plan, and I think that's what they have to plan accordingly. Um, there's still a bunch of unanswered questions and, and a lot of things to kind of figure out, but overall the fact that that is the goal of the university, which I would be surprised if it wasn't. Uh, it is great to hear, and, and hopefully um, everything's kind of taken care of. I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to have a, a vaccine check type thing on an app or something to make sure that you've got that in order to get in, which I think any major event is going to be doing that down the line. But I, overall, I think it's a great step. It's We posted on, on our Instagram page and a hell of a lot of the football team was was liking it and loving it. So I'm assuming that this is something that not only fans want, the university wants, but also the athletes want because it was a completely different environment for them last year in a lot of ways as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big part of it, you know. And similar to basketball, they talked about it last night of the game where you wonder how big of an impact fans would have on, on some of these games throughout the season. Um, you know, in a, in a tight game where you, you need some of that, you know, players live off of fan interaction and, and hearing the fans um, in both college football and college basketball. So it's going to be huge to have at least some sort of number there. It's going to be fun. It's going to, you know, everyone's going to feel a little bit back to normal, which will be awesome to see. So I think it's a exciting time and we'll uh, look forward to being back in Camp Randall this fall, um, hoping everything goes well in that regard. Um, Last episode, we talked about recruiting. Um, we talked a lot about the defensive tackle and wideout position. Wisconsin made a couple more offers um, in, in those spots. It seems like every every time we discuss recruiting, those are the positions of, of focus. What do you make of the Badgers' offer to defensive tackle Alex Van Sumeren, a Michigan decommit? Um, Badgers now in there. And then Brennan Thompson, a guy that looks like he could be a wide receiver, could also be a corner, but uh, really a, a speedster athletic kid that could do some things well for the Badgers if they were able to compete um, in that offer room as well. Yeah, I, I think those are good offers. I, I think 
Brennan Thompson's going to be a really tough pull from Oklahoma, but at the same time, you gotta you got to shoot your shot with mm-hmm. that. I think Alex Van Summeren, his older brother, played for Michigan, recently transferred right about the same time that he decommitted. So I think they're probably a package deal, is my guess, is that whoever is going to bring in the older brother is going to have a better chance with uh, Alex. Uh, he is the type of defensive tackle that the Badgers need to kind of move forward and to – put in behind the the guys they currently have in terms of Keanu Benton and, and Bryson Williams. I think he'd really be a really good fit. I, I think recent offers from, you know, Alabama, Clemson are going to continue to make things tough. Michigan State, Penn State are going to be uh, in the thick of things as well for him. I, I anticipate he'll probably stick around in the Big Ten country. So I like the offer. Now it's going to be a matter of trying to get into that recruitment and um, try to get him on, on campus. I love some of the other offers they also put out there. I thought that they've been really active. New offer out in New Jersey for a cornerback, um, a tight end out of Ohio. So they're hitting some some specific positions. And I know we mentioned it last time. You can see where they're really um, seeing spots that they need. And I, I love to see them going after Bergen Catholic out in New Jersey with their, their newest cornerback offer. I think the, the new cornerback coach, um, is is going to be active in that area and hopefully can help them land a couple guys. So uh, I think the more we'll see a whole slew of offers coming out here more and more as uh, as the dead period is is sounding more and more like it's going to be pushed mm-hmm. forward. And uh, I think the Badgers need to be active because they do have some of the lowest scholarship offer numbers right now in the country, and it's it's bound to go up as uh, more tape comes out and they're able to focus and really dive into it and have those difficult conversations as a staff. Yeah, and now that you've got your your staff all kind of finalized, you can refocus on that a little bit and and get after some of these guys. So I would expect to see a flurry of offers, um, you know, continue to come out. I mean, this last week there's there's certainly been a flurry that they've been throwing out, and and some of these offers are are good for Alex Van Summer. I think he's also yeah, like you said, going to stay in the Big Ten. So Wisconsin's got to like their chances, but also there there's a lot of of big names and big teams coming around. Brendan Thompson, if he's if he's the guy that's wanting to play wide receiver, it's might going to be a hard sell to to pull him away from a team like Oklahoma that um, historically throws the ball a little bit more than the Badgers do, and, and maybe that's a better fit for him that way. But overall, I like the aggressiveness that Wisconsin's going with on the, the recruiting show. Right now is the time for the Badgers to really get active and and get after some of these guys. I think you've got to pull, especially defensively with Jim Leonard. I, I think you've got a lot of guys that you can you can pull and, and make a good pitch for. Paul Christ, you know, you, you've got certain areas. You've, of course, got the offensive line that you recruit well. You've got the running back position. They're starting to recruit well at other positions. So now it's time for them to really get aggressive and, and hopefully um, allow them to, to hopefully win some of these situations. I mean, we, both of these guys would be great players to land, obviously. But at the same time, there are other offers going out that I think there's some, some quality players as well. So Wisconsin, they've got a good track record these last three years on the recruiting trail, and, and hopefully that can continue this year but it's gonna or these next couple years. But going to take some you know some serious amount of offers going out which I'm expecting you'll see over these next few weeks and in the next few months as like you said the recruiting dead period probably gets extended which I know is, is frustrating for some high school players as they're trying to figure out their future homes that way. Speaking of wideouts let's get into our position preview review at that position so coming into this year you of course had Kendrick Pryor you had Danny Davis you had a guy named Jim Ray DK who everyone was excited about and ended up being a really solid player for the for the Badgers at that position. So coming into this next year, you've got all three of them back now with uh, with the COVID and you know eligibility. 
Um, Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis can both return. They have decided to, so I think that's huge. You'll have Shimmery DK for the full offseason. So coming into this group, when you add in the fact that you've got Jake Ferguson back, you've got a lot of strong targets uh, to throw the football to. So what do you make of this group, and, and how good could they be next year, given that hopefully they're they're all healthy and ready to go for a full season? I think they're going to be a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. Not having Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor for most of the year really hurt them, especially given the youthfulness behind them. We've noticed that some of the younger guys behind them haven't necessarily taken the jump to, to be ready to, to make an impact. I think Danny Davis, uh, he was a kid who came in as a four-star, um, kind of flash showed pro potential right away as a true freshman, and, and as a sophomore, took a pretty considerable step back uh, in 2019 and, and didn't play much of anything in 2020. So I, I think really he's going to be the most important guy for them to get back to. He is, has the, the, the highest potential out of the between him and Pryor of being a, guy, a real difference maker. We, we saw him in, right away in that Illinois game. He had 72 yards uh, and, and a touchdown. So he, he's a guy who can, who can help them out. And he had the longest play from scrimmage for the Badgers with that 50-yard uh, reception in the, in the opener as well. So we, we're seeing here that he's a guy who can impact the game. They needed him. They missed him. I, I don't necessarily know if he's still an NFL guy. I don't know if the talent's there based off of his development. But at the same time, between him and Pryor, who's another serviceable wide receiver who can do some things uh, as, a, as a rusher as well as um, a receiver from the slot, I, I'm anticipating that those two will, should, be, should be very active, probably improve upon their numbers. I mean, you, you push out their numbers from last year, and, and Pryor was looking at – in those first three games, if you would have continued to play a full 14-game season, he probably would have been looking at like four or 500 yards receiving. Danny Davis, based off of his first game, 72 yards, you you push that out and extrapolate it to a 14-game season, and he's got great numbers. Um, and Wisconsin just didn't have anything behind them when they went down. I think Chimray DK has got a really good future. He should be able to help them out in a lot of ways. He, he can deliver. Um, a little more size than either of those guys, and I think he's he's got some good speed. He's just trying to still learn kind of the finer nuances of the position, and I really like some of the other guys behind him. So I think the those three that you mentioned, Pryor, Davis, and as well as DK, are going to make up the bulk of the receptions next year outside of Ferguson, but I think they'll be better. Do I think that they have a Quintez Cephas on the roster right now? No, but I do think that they have a solid group that's well-rounded that should – help Graham Mertz have a, a good season next year if as long as they stay healthy, which, once again, is a big question mark, as we saw last year. Yeah, I think that's the, the big thing to watch for, is if these guys are, are able to stay on the field, we know what they can do, and I think they'll only be better with the full offseason. I mean, this time last year, you still were coming into the you know the season expecting to, to have Jack Cohn, and, and I'm sure – the, the relationship was there between Jack Cohn and Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor, both being you know, upperclassmen, older guys. They were probably working together versus Graham Mertz was, was maybe not as much. And then he all of a sudden gets thrown into the fold late. There's a connection that maybe was not there. It seemed to be there um, you know, more than I think a lot of people expected. That seemed to, you know, especially Davis and, and Ferguson with Mertz, really seemed to work well. So a full off season with them. You're working together. You hopefully you get a spring football season back to normal where they can make sure that everything's good and they're healthy. And I, I really think this group will will be much better um, this time out as long as they're staying on the field. They they've got the talent there, 
and, and Shimray DK as well to work into there. So I think I think coming into the year, it's a, it's a really strong position when you add in Ferguson. They should have targets. Now it's just more so about staying on the field because when they weren't out there, you saw the struggles on the offense. So a return to normalcy, once again, should really benefit this group um, as they move forward into this next year. And I think the big question is is after that. You know, this group is exciting for this upcoming season, but the guys behind them are guys that you haven't seen a lot from, and now you're going to have another season where maybe you don't see as much of them, um, given that the Davis and Pryor are back when in normal circumstances they wouldn't be. So who are some of the other guys that, that you like in this group? I, of course, we've talked about Chimray DK, who is, you know, a true freshman and and a younger guy, but the likes of, you know, the A.J. Abbott's Taj Mustafa have been on the roster for years now and, and really not been able to, to, to crack the field a lot and make a lot of plays. So I think post-world Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor, this wide receiver room, is it's got some question marks a little bit, and, and there's going to be some names that, that people have to look forward to uh, as they move forward in that position group. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in excited to see kind of how the, the backup slot wide receiver role. I know that that's really digging down here, but at the same time, you look at, you're probably going to have Pryor in the slot. You're going to have DK and Davis on the outside, but behind him, you've got Stephen Bracey, who, or Stefan Bracey, who started last year as the kickoff returner, kind of lost that role due to injury and production. Then you saw Devin Chandler, who's kind of more of a slot guy, um, kind of emerge. So which one of those two can kind of grab that role and, and kind of find their niche in this team and maybe uh, push themselves to be the fourth guy, the fifth guy to help them out, I think is, is really going to be fun to watch because I bo- think they're both pretty talented. And, and deliver some nice speed to the team. But then be, outside of that, I don't know what Isaac Smith's going to be as a freshman. I, I've, mm-hmm. I'm pretty much done on the whole A.J. Abbott and um, Taj Mustafa thing. I, I think if they were going to emerge, they would have done it so. Uh, yeah. I thought Abbott had a shot this year, but we just we didn't see anything from him, didn't even record a catch. Uh, so, so I'm looking at the two incoming freshmen as players that could immediately jump in and and – surpass some guys. I think Skylar Bell is a really good athlete who I think would have definitely earned, garnered more attention if he would have been able to play his, his senior year at Taft School in Connecticut. He's a really good athlete that I think the Badgers got in on early and were able to beat out some good teams for. But but I think Marcus Allen is is a bona fide dude that could that is probably their best uh once he gets in there between him and DK they the two wide receivers that have the best shot of eventually making it in the NFL or having a shot to make it on a roster because you look at his size, his speed, what he was able to do at the, the uh, high school level, he, he's a guy that should be able to come in and play right away if he's called upon. I don't. He's got to learn kind of some of the other things, but the raw tools are there, and he's got a really good um, ability to high point the ball, catch the ball away from his body, solid hands, and good speed. So I think those two freshmen are wild cards to watch because given how many struggles there were last year, if there's another injury that goes down, I think they're players that could immediately pop in and, and earn playing time given just how uh, – how how well the Badger, how much the Badgers wanted them on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, you know some of those older guys now, the middle of the pack guys, kind of maybe being surpassed by some of these younger guys like Marcus Allen. Because I think I'm I'm in the same boat with you. The you know AJ Abbott, Taj Mustafa, they had you know an opportunity this past year to crack the field, get out there a little bit with with Davis and Pryor being down, never really did it. So. 
clearly the the younger guys have a very good shot of coming in, and I think talent wise, are, are you know we've seen it at other positions. You know, you talk about the linebacker position, Nick Herbig getting in there over some other guys, some older guys that way. It's going to be kind of the same thing, I think, here, where Marcus Allen could come in and, and really be a, a guy that gets a lot of playing time. Of course, you've already seen a lot of Chimre DK. I really like the game of Devin Chandler. You know, you talked about Kendrick Pryor in the slot. You know, Devin Chandler and, and Stephon Bracey could be the guys behind him, especially given, you know, that there's a chance Kendrick Pryor goes down at some point. He's, he's We've seen it in the past. He does get injured from time to time, and if you're, you're going to need somebody behind him. So I could certainly see one of those guys. I really like Devin Chandler, the way he came on um, late in the season. So he's exciting as well. So I could definitely see, you know, you relying on, on the seniors and the super seniors, I guess you could call them, um, in Davis and Pryor this year, and then next year kind of having a youth movement of, of Marcus Allen, Jim Ray DK, you know, uh, you know Devin Chandler, and then all of a sudden you're playing some younger guys in, in those middle-of-the-pack sophomore junior class groups maybe getting surpassed because right now they've just they've had opportunities. It's just not seeming to work out, and, and eventually, you know, with Wisconsin doing so well on the recruiting trail, eventually some of these guys that are coming in are going to be ready to play earlier, and that's going to allow them to, to kind of hop over a group that just doesn't seem to be progressing as fast as some others. No doubt. All right, guys, I think that pretty much wraps up our conversation for the week. Uh, we appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. Um, we'll be back on Monday, hopefully recapping a Badger basketball win. I think we all need it, and then we'll continue um, our football to talk and, and uh, continue our discussions that we've had over the past few weeks. So, as always, on Wisconsin. Thank you.